Now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. My longtime friend John Underwood joining us now. And, um, John, it is uh, always a pleasure to catch up with you. We've had some sad news in the world of college basketball, but uh, John, the longtime associate commissioner, uh, in charge of basketball in the Big 12. He was in charge of a lot of things. And, uh, boy, oversaw officials, all kinds of things that he had to, were under his purview. Uh, John, great to, great to have you on this, uh, this afternoon. Hope you're doing well. Matt, I uh, appreciate the opportunity to visit and uh, hope everybody's doing good. We lost one of the great coaching legends of all time, Robert Montgomery Knight. Uh, we share the same birthday, October 25th, and I've always called him on his birthday, and I called and left a message this year. Uh, but uh, great man, great coach, uh, so smart, uh, well-read, and uh, had some interesting conversations in my time at the Big 12. Yeah, I bet. What Now, when was the first time you crossed paths with Bob Knight, you've been around college basketball. You played at A and M, obviously, and and then uh, had, were coached, uh, and then you became part of the Big Twelve, kind of the oh, early two thousands, as I recall. When, when was the first time you remember uh, meeting Bob Knight? You know, when I was an assistant coach at the University of Oklahoma, seventy six to eighty, I met Coach Knight. Uh, uh, he uh, one of his former coaches was the head coach, Coach Bliss. And uh, Bob came on several different occasions to watch our team practice. And, uh, uh, you know, when he uh, was at Tech and I was at the Big 12, I had, a you know, an early uh, – those early meetings helped me uh, bridge a little bit of the gap uh, as we uh, uh, maneuvered through the season when we would have uh, – uh, issues that might come up. Uh, you know, I was thinking just of some of the things that one of the reasons why the Big 12 has the Big Monday slot, Matt, when we were in the Big 8, uh, the Big 10 played on Big Monday. And Bob Knight at their coaches' meetings and the ADs approved it. Uh, he, he just hated to have only one day of preparation, Saturday and Monday, and the Big Ten opted out of that Big Monday slot, and they called the Big Eight, and it took us about, as Tim Allen, who was the associate commissioner, has told me many times, it took him about one minute to say, look, I don't know, but let us check. And that's how the Big Eight got Big Monday, and now it's a staple of college basketball for the Big 12. It's one of the most promotional uh, vehicles that the Big 12 has, being able, uh, very few games on Monday night. And then Bob ended up calling a lot of those games, didn't he? When he got into broadcasting <laughs> at ESPN, yeah. it's interesting well, how it, it went it, full it's circle. Funny. It, it's funny. One of the first schedules we uh, made that we sent out, uh, I immediately got a call from Bob, and he, he was disappointed that he had to play three out of the four Big Mondays. And as soon as he said it, I knew what his background was, one day of preparation. 
But I said, Coach, you're the reason why we have it because you didn't like it at the Big Eight. I mean, Big Ten. And he said, well, you've got a good memory. You're right. And then that was the end of that conversation. <laughs> what was he uh, – What when he got to Tech, like how big an impact did he have on the conference? Just him arriving, he's such a towering figure. Now, he's an imposing guy anyway. And, and then just his record and everything that he brought with him, what was the uh, – what was the kind of the immediate impact uh, as he uh, as he joined the conference? Well, uh, he had already been in the conference one year when when I joined in two thousand two and two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob, you know, as I would go to each of the other schools when Tech would go on the road, it'd be sold out because many of the people wanted to see Coach Knight and see how he coached his team, and and he was a little bit laid back, you know he. One of the things that really impressed me when I would go watch his team's practice is how much he would allow his assistants to, to maneuver and run the practices. Now, he would step in when he needed to, but so well organized, uh, so prepared. Uh, you know, he played man-to-man defense. He played the passing game. Uh, didn't run. I don't know how he would survive today, but I got a good feeling that he would probably be successful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he just had a way about him, and uh, he was, I'm sure, extremely difficult to play for. But also, he could kind of motivate. I mean, and and you look at like the the people that have come off his tree. Some of them are way different than he was. Um, I I just I've been looking at some of these videos, and again, I you do not want to be on the wrong end of one of his tirades, but. Boy, John, he was such a complicated individual because he was brilliant in so many ways. But, I mean, I, I think I think most of us would say he also could bully people, you know, from time to time. And and I I just think, you know, he did he admire people that w- like like when you went back at him or whatever, when you people that stood up to him. Um, I, I could see it kind of going either way in that front. What, what was your experience yeah, well, in those situations? You know, it's interesting. I, uh, uh, I never backed down from Coach Knight. Uh, now, there were times that he would, you know, try to, you know, use his uh, uh, maneuverability or his intellect to try to uh, get his way. But I, I will tell you one thing, Matt. Probably every game that Texas Tech played, I would get a, a FedEx beta tape of the game the next day. And if there's one thing that he taught me is how to watch a game. And I would, knew, I would know the plays that he would have in question, but Bubba Jennings, who was a great player at Tech, was his film video coordinator. And I was talking to Bubba yesterday. I mean, he sat with Coach Knight countless hours and what you used to do you'd have the angle of the television tape and the coach's tape would be on the other side so I would watch a play from television and in about maybe a minute later or two minutes later I would see that same play from the coach's angle but uh, his, his pet peeve was traveling you know where you'd see a kid out on the floor you'd pass and screen away and catch the floor and he might shuffle his feet and one time I said, Coach, 
that that mistravel didn't have any impact on the game. You know what his response was? He said that was a possession that we earned. So he looked at it just mm. so cerebrally. I mean, he was so smart. And uh, you knew if he said something to the official, Curtis Shaw always told me this, if Bob said something, probably the official was wrong and he was right. Uh, and he uh, always played coy when he said, now, who is our crew tonight? And I'd name them. And, and you know, he knew every one of them. And he knew exactly when he had them or – it had a, a bad call in a previous game. But uh, I tell you, he was great for me, and he was great for, for our league, and he would be sorely, sorely missed. Yeah, John Underwood, associate commissioner uh, in charge of basketball for the Big 12 for many years. And uh, I, I got to ask you, John, were those officials, were they intimidated I mean, it's hard not to be intimidated by him, even though some of them were probably better at that than others. How much did his presence and, and you know, Huggins had a little bit of that to his own because he had that imposing, um, he was a huge man, and he, and he just had that demeanor that he comes across as pretty intimidating. And you can't help occasionally, I'm sure, that officials can be impacted by that. How did you, know, you kind of... Yeah, you know when I would go to a game, uh, you know those those officials, uh, they're they're cool, calm, and collected. You know they knew that Coach Knight was uh, an imposing figure. Intimidated is probably not a word. Uh, maybe some were, some were apprehensive. You know, one, one story I, I would relate to you, and this is Eddie Jackson was one of our officials, and now he. Uh, does the uh, Missouri Valley League. Eddie was a great young official. We used to have a coaching clinic. And during that coaching clinic in the fall, we had a golf tournament. And he and one of the other officials were in a golf cart. And they went underneath the branch of a tree, and that branch hit Eddie. And Eddie ended up losing sight in one of his eyes. And Coach Knight was one of the first coaches that really reached out Eddie Jackson, and he told both Dale Kelly, who was the coordinator of our officials at the time, he said, I'd rather have a one-eyed Eddie Jackson than some of the other guys. And I, we actually assigned Eddie Jackson to a, two or three of Tech's games, and he was absolutely a gentleman with Eddie. And Eddie and I have talked about that many, many times. But, you know, some of the things that he does behind the scenes, you know, you never read about. But, but he cared about the game. He cared about his players. Uh, you know, as you read some of the stories about the Indiana players uh, that have played and what an impact he made as far as getting an education, Mike Woodson told, uh, I read the story about Mike as the present coach. He said, you know, he told my mother that I would get a chance to play and he would work hard and get an education. And uh, that's what sold her on Coach Knight and me. And, you know, at the time when you're playing for coach, you know, you have your ups and downs where you I, – I might not like him today, but in the end, when you start looking about the great lessons that coaches teach, and that's what they are. They're teachers and they're mentors. There are many former players that the first person they call is a coach mm-hmm. to see what they think, should I do this or do that. You remember Scott Drew got under his skin, and I look back and I think that's not – 
that was not a bad thing at all for Baylor, by the way. That and it was some you remember it was some kind of flyer or something, and and Bob didn't like it. It was about McDonald's All Americans. Baylor had one, and maybe Tech didn't. And Bob and there were other coaches him. that didn't. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was not well. Yeah. It was not well received by some of the coaches. <laughs> but I tell you what, we worked through that. And Scott, uh-huh. uh, Scott has matured, and he's become one of the great, great coaches that the Big Twelve has, our country has. Because he cares about players, and you can see it with his former players. Uh, yeah, but Bob never forgets. I mean, I remember he used to call in those Big 12 games. He wouldn't say Scott's name. You remember he was like, no, Musburger, yeah. Musburger loves Scott and would, right. would brag on Scott all day. And um, so, anyway, I, uh, I, I, I just know that had to be difficult for Scott, and even though maybe he brought it on himself, uh, because where he grew up and having been part of Valpo and all of that, I mean, that was Bob Country, right? That's Bobby. That's, right. that's Bobby Knight Country. So well, there are I some know, Purdue fans in the state of Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Notre Dame. I, I, yeah, but but he ruled. He ruled. But uh, uh, Gene over there at Purdue, what was that? What now? What was his biggest nemesis? Was it? What, I mean, it's just kind of interesting to think back on on Bob's college career and then it just i remember gene with that boy had that scowl over there he was quite a coach he was a great coach yeah uh, but but i I can't remember what their relationship was what was the uh what was the biggest rivalry in that big 10 for for i I would say i would say purdue yeah yeah uh yeah you know uh, uh i've heard the story the year before they went undefeated when they lost, they lost the one game when Scott May broke his wrist to Kentucky in the regional final. Then Kentucky won it that year. Uh, during the season, he made a comment. He said, "I think this team can go undefeated." Uh, and then, you know they were what 60, 62 and one over a two-year period with the undefeated team. But Scott May, Kent Benson, Bobby Wilkerson, Tommy Abernathy, and Quinn Butner—pretty good group to go to battle with. Could Shelby Metcalf be like fiery back in the day, or was he? Oh, yeah. I always remember him as like a smiling, funny guy. But Shelby, could Shelby had a bit of a temper at times. Uh, he did. If you ever got on his bad side, you weren't going to play. And the best <laughs> way is try to stay on his good side. You know, great memories. We had some great <laughs> battles with Baylor. Uh, you know, we had the uh, the Tom Friedman. Uh, mm-hmm. episode at uh, G. Riley White where the players kind of came off the bench and uh, as one of the player football players said he was just protecting the player from Baylor and Carol Dawson later told me that Tom Friedman had 50 stitches in his mouth but uh, those were great times Shelby was character Shelby and Abe Lemons we miss those people you know they were colorful and they coached their teams and uh could the coach today, you know, when they were younger, I'd say yes. Uh, now, I don't know how we'd handle the portal in the NIL. That may be uh, mm-hmm. something of another discussion. Are schedules, how difficult are schedules to make? And, like, how, did you play, how much of a role would you play when you were assistant commissioner or their associate commissioner in the Big 12? Like, how, those, you can't ever make anybody happy, can you? I just saw these football schedules come out. And Baylor and you know, TCU are protected. Yet, you know, Iowa State and Kansas State have been playing each other forever. Uh, Farmageddon, you know, it, 
I mean, since 19-whatever, uh, 22, and it's going to end. It's going to end you know, because they you simply – yeah. you, you hate that those rivalries across the country are going to be a thing of the past. Uh, you know, I hate it that Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC, but the one is A&M and Texas will renew that rivalry, and I would hope the SEC would play it on Thanksgiving from a football standpoint. But from basketball, you know, when we had 12 – we looked at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of schedules and went through them and tried to look at balance uh, when they played someone. Uh, we, we always tried to look at it, if you, if you can believe this, that hopefully people could be two and two after the first four games where you played it. You know, early on, sc- uh, schools aren't in session the second semester. So we looked. It didn't matter if you played at Kansas or Iowa State. Those facilities were going to be full. Bob Huggins, interestingly, when he was at West Virginia, he was the first guy that said, look, I'll play road, road. I'll play Saturday on the road, and I'll play Monday on the road because that would be one less trip that they would have to make. You know, one of the things that Hugg said to his media, he said, I'll give you full access to every player if you'll meet us between 4 and 5 o'clock in the morning when we return from our road games. He didn't He didn't get much media access. <laughs> they wouldn't get up that early. But Bob started that. And then, you know, when we went to 10, it was easy. You know, we were the only league in the country that played double round robin other than the Big East. But you try to balance. You know, ESPN has a big player on picking on Big mm-hmm. Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kansas has gotten the majority of those games. And then they started where we had, we call it the Little Monday, where they had the 6 o'clock window on ESPNU, which our schools wanted to play. They didn't like the one-day preparation, Matt. But, you know, you have to to take a day off in college basketball. So if you played on Monday, you could take off Tuesday and go recruit and see high school kids play on Tuesday night and then get ready for your, you know, your Saturday game. but, you know, I don't know how you do it with this many teams. I haven't really analyzed the schedules yet, but I'm going to sit down and kind of look at it. Uh, but the Big 12 is in a good place. We, we've got a great league. Uh, despite Texas and Oklahoma leaving, uh, we're in a good spot. You think U of H, I mean, they're not going to come in here and run the table, obviously. It's going to be a different animal than what they're used to. But, like, what's a – what do you you think Kelvin is it's going to be an eye-opening experience for him in that team but they are deep and they are really good how do you think they'll fare in year 1 it, 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 yeah. it won't be it won't be an eye-opener for Kelvin Sampson and the Cougars cuz Kelvin was in the big 8 I mean he knows how difficult it is to play at Kansas and Kansas State and Iowa State and now he, he knew at Colorado. Now Colorado will be in the league. Uh, there will be a lot of balance. Uh, uh, he's, he's a heck of a coach. And his kids buy in, they play hard, and they defend. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, one of the things that I learned from Kelvin Sampson when I was at Oklahoma, Matt, you cannot have enough guards. And he's going to always have three or four kids that can play the perimeter position at guard. Uh, and you start, look, I know he's got the kid, L.J. Cryer, that's transferred there, and every Baylor fan knows how good L.J. was. But, you know, 
this immediate eligibility transfer, you know, you don't know. You have to recruit your team every day, all year long. And uh, But I'm, I'm proud the way Scott has handled it, managed it. And I tell you, one of the best things I think is Baylor's done over the past seven or eight years, you look at all the transfers they've gotten that actually had to lay out a year and learn the system and really be productive Baylor Bears. And, you know, that's that's going to go away. Uh, you're not going to be able to have that luxury as much with the NIL and the portal, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Although they're playing the one-and-done game right now, and they got well, another one, hopefully. Yeah. Um, with experience, matching that with, like, experienced players. But you're right, Mitchell was huge, Macy Oteague was huge, Flagler all those names come to mind on that national championship team. Well, and the players that played at Presbyterian and played at teams that are, you know, uh, not uh, the the mid-majors that were really good players. I mean, I I look at the kid he got from Yale, you know, and uh, I can't remember his name, but he had played against them in the NCAA the year before. And, you know, the the Ivy League doesn't – you can't redshirt. So you've got four years of eligibility, and those kids still had an extra year of eligibility. And, but I go back to when he got had Aaron Bruce. I mean, Baylor's had some great, great basketball players and great, great people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I'm praying Trey Johnson from Lake Highlands High School, well, kind of close to where you and I uh, hang our hats, will end up in Waco. Uh, that'll I've be had a, very, I've very... Had a chance. I've had a chance to go watch them practice. And oh, as wow. good a player he is, I just watch how he fits in with his team. You know, mm-hmm. I hate it that, that he – He's not going to play his senior year at Lake Highlands. Just selfishly, I wanted to be able to watch mm-hmm. him play. But it's good. I hope he ends up in the Big 12. Yeah, yeah. right now it looks like uh, UT or Baylor. John, I'll uh, I'll be looking for you soon up at uh, Tupanamba. Uh, thank you very much. Always love having you on. Tell your wife hello with her Elkhart East Texas ties. Uh, tell her I said hi, and I'll see you soon. Matt, thank you for the opportunity to – discuss basketball it's a great time of year when college basketball starts it is here and the bears get going yes, on november 7th see john thanks matt you bet uh there he goes john underwood longtime associate commissioner of the big 12 and a great friend over the years and a man who uh there's a tex-mex restaurant called tupanamba they have shelby metcalf dip on the menu, and Shelby was, uh, he coached under Shelby at Texas A&M after playing for Shelby in the late 1960s. John's a good guy and uh, great to have him on. All right, we got Campus Confidential coming up at 440. Uh, we'll uh, revisit. We've got some fun stuff from the uh, Rangers Championship Parade that is next. This is ESPN Central Texas.